0: Hi, welcome to episode number 157 of the Apple Lock Podcast. I am your host, Simon Head. Today's podcast is brought to you in part by Bozell Natural Brewery. Check out their lug tread. It's, their, it's the flagship beer they have. It's a lagered ale. It's a term they coined. It's fermented like an ale and cold aged like a lager. And it's been their flagship brand since they opened in 2006. They have these big, giant bottles and they also sell them in these little tiny cans, not little tiny, but normal size cans, 355 milliliter cans. And it's won more than 20 awards. It's not just for tasting awards, it's also for ethical and being sustainable and recycling and all that good stuff. And their packaging is, is very minimal. Go also check out their Kissmeyer Nordic Pale Ale and also their Tom Green Cherry Milk Stout and also Wag the Wolf. They make very, very good IPAs, everybody. If you like IPAs, check out the full-time IPA. It's Hoppy, Fruity, and Bold. It's their newest full-time branch, which is how it got the name. So pick up Bose anywhere beer is sold in Canada. I'm sorry if you're from America, maybe you could have it shipped to you by some friends. In Canada, if you're in the Ottawa region, I think they drop it off for you. So go to www.bose.ca and check out all the great beers they have. They do a seasonal beer. I think they have a pumpkin beer out there. It's delicious. Hey, Amazon shoppers, if you'd like to support the show, go to Appalock.ca slash Amazon. Or if you're from America, go to And slash US Amazon. And when you go to that link, you'll be redirected to Amazon where you can shop and support the show. It costs you no extra money, so don't forget to bookmark them. And it's good. It helps the show out. Every month, there's a little bit of ching-ching-ching. If you want to support the show on a monthly basis, go to patreon.com slash You can pledge as much or as little as you want on a monthly basis to help with gas and hosting fees. I have patrons. They're awesome, but I could always do with a little few more patrons. Why don't you join there? There's rewards, so every time you pledge a little bit more, a little bit more, uh, you can get more rewards. I think part of it is that you can actually take the podcast on full-time as your own. That's the final reward. There you go. Check out AppleLog.ca slash shop and buy a t-shirt. And check out the Foursquare discography for $20. You can download every Foursquare song ever recorded for $20. If you're on iTunes, which everybody is, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show. And give it five stars, please. Like the show on Facebook by going to Facebook.com slash pod. Follow me on Twitter at SimonHead666. Today on the show, I have Jonathan Ronson armstrong jonathan is the bass player in the band called the reason he also is a sound engineer and he's a father you're gonna get to meet this guy he's a cool guy first time i ever met him is over facebook um on production resources a little part of facebook heaven for uh, production people so here he is jonathan ronson armstrong on the apple podcast for 10 years right
1: yeah 10 plus actually I was that noticing your uh you used to play in trigger happy yeah that was that was the the first
0: incarnation of trigger happy from the ninety ninety one 91 to like 92 ish (laughs) yeah yeah so um the reason used
1: to be a band called sewing with nancy like a, a pop punk band okay back in like uh late 1900s and um uh, early 2000s and uh, I remember being out on tour and Trigger Happy was like it's like we would be following you guys around to the venues you know <laughs> you guys had played the night before or something like that
0: yeah you know the, my thing with Trigger Happy is that I joined a band I, in like 1992 I think I ended up quitting and joining a band called Red Fisher and moved mm-hmm. out to Winnipeg which is now like was a power pop, pop punk band from like Winnipeg trigger happy we were always synonymous and they just got more intense and more heavy and more um you know crazy (laughs) they're just sort of popular famous for like you know fucking up the scene or not the scene but just fucking up shit like all the way across canada doing crazy shit and i it was al and and mark were just two powerful people and i just could not find my (laughs) couldn't find my place there in there you know
1: yeah yeah no i hear you man i hear you
0: yeah so you've been so you've been doing this since the 90s then. So uh so when when did you start uh when did you like when did you start touring and being in a band and taking it serious?
1: Well, uh we started with Song with Nancy actually. First tour was cross Canada, uh, I want to say 2001. So it would have been just after Adam and I graduated from high school. Uh, we went to York University um, to try to make something of our lives <laughs> or <laughs> to make money or whatever, yeah. you
0: know. Did you take music <laughs> there or, or arts? No,
1: I did uh, like political science, actually. I think Adam took history and I did political science. I was very um, idealistic when I was younger. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Yeah. I've been seasoned over the years and still idealistic, but not so gung ho anymore.
0: Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, so we went to school there and they ended up having a big strike, kind of what's happening right now actually at the colleges. Uh, so big like uh teacher strike and whatnot. And they shut down the university for like, I want to say three months or something. What
0: years op- was this? What year?
1: It would have been 2001. It was like a big, big thing, like a big deal at York. And they ended up having to push what they wanted to do was take the school year and push it back into the summer. And we had planned this whole tour for the summer. We were just like, all right, big first tour. You know, we've done all the booking and all this kind of stuff. And uh, when they wanted to push the school year back, we just said, fuck it. And we, yeah. we just quit school <laughs> and went on tour instead.
0: <laughs> it's funny because the same thing happened. Like, I want to say around 2009 at York because I worked there for 10 years between okay. 2006 and 2015. But there was a, there was two strikes in there, uh, and it was mostly the teachers, um, the teachers' assistants, the QP, was yeah. it QP? Yeah, I can't remember what it was. But yeah, it was the same thing, and they tried to push it. And there was like exchange students from like Japan. They're like, well, what do we want me to do? I've already given up my residence. I've already done all, done all this stuff. Like, I can't, I can't just not move home because I got the summer. I got to go make money, yeah. and uh, that was a big, big thing at York too. So I guess yeah, York is sort of synonymous because it's so big, such a weird place. Like, yeah. 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 So I, yeah, I started there in 2006 and, uh, went through that sort of the arts. I was in the, uh, fine arts department for a staff member there for 10 years and it was, yeah, it was not fun. I mean, like it sounds glorious and it sounds awesome. It paid okay, but it was just a lot of politics and, and you, you also, you're a sound engineer. So you, you know, you, you have a trade. That's what we say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so did you, um, I saw you worked at the Rivoli yeah did you live in toronto for that or did you have to come in from hamilton every time
1: yeah no i uh i lived in toronto i'm back in hamilton now just of last year my wife and i uh, after we had the kid bought a place here because we couldn't afford anything in toronto but we'd been living in toronto for about 10 years prior to that so originally when adam and i first came up from windsor um we we went to school and, and at York or whatever, and then uh, did the tour. And after that tour, then we both moved to Hamilton for about 10ish years. And then uh, I moved to Toronto with my wife for work and whatnot. Another 10 years went by and then we're back here. So mm-hmm. that was pretty much the time that I was working at the Rivoli was when
0: I was uh, living there as well. Yeah, yeah, that's a cool place. I've mixed a lot of shows there um, over the it years. Is. Yeah.
1: yeah, it's it's funny, man, because they have, it's like, you know, a shoestring system, right? It's super old. <laughs> All the writing's like rubbed off from the board because the board's so old. But the texts there are, are good and they keep it clean. They keep it organized. Everybody zeroes the board at the end of the night kind of thing. And yeah. so it doesn't get too crazy. And it's a good vibe, man. It's such a good vibe in that back room. And there's been so many... Um, like good interesting cool shows you know in, in such a small
0: venue like that so yeah they still have the soundcraft there is it the 200b or whatever it is uh
1: yeah it's uh no it's an allen and heath Oh, wait, 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 uh 20 yeah i want to say 2400 or something like that yeah 3, 200 i can't remember what the number is i think it's like 32 yeah when analog those...
0: channels <laughs> when those... yeah when those first came out um, people thought you could use contact cleaner to clean the, uh, connections. Oh, no. <laughs> and, uh, they were fucking the boards up because they, they're a contactless, uh, style, like a, a carbon style contact. Yeah. And they, as soon as it got a little scratchy, you scratch, they, you'd, they put the contact cleaner in it and it would just stop working. And, uh, yeah. that was a big thing. Cause there was one at the reverb too. And I remember that thing was like when it was brand new and that's like, there's guys like John Arnott mixing sound there who was used to be in Lois Low, and, and, uh, I can't remember who else is, but... That board was so cool when it first came out and like, and then it just, they never, they didn't age well. Let's just say that, yeah. but yours, yours seems to be, yeah, cause there was one at the horseshoe too, I think before they got the Avid. Before
1: they got the digital. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But the, yeah, yeah. I remember those things. They were like, uh, they don't seem around as much.
1: Yeah. No, they, it's funny you said about the contact cleaner. Cause actually the head tech Marlin put a big note right on the console that says, do not <laughs> clean these with contact cleaner.
0: Yeah. Probably I'm because like uh, she did the same thing that everybody else did when they first came out. Exactly, um, yeah. Yeah, um, I ran into somebody who worked there for a while, a big tall guy who, who now is the front of house guy for the Trues. Um, I forget his name, but he was there for a while too. Like Marlon's been there for a donkey's age, like a long time now.
1: Yeah, like 20 years or something like yeah. that, a long time. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, people have been in and out. I mean, I took over for a guy named Colin uh, because he was having a kid and, and getting a real job at the time when uh, I came around. And then Lauren Hounsel is actually there still. He's been kind of in and out over the years. Uh, and I think that's
0: the guy I'm talking about.
1: Lauren, yeah. Is, is he, he doing very tall? House? He...
0: Uh, he's not too okay, tall. Okay, different he's guy like then. Oh, Lauren or... works for, um, doesn't he work for uh, Dan Hill? Is he the older guy?
1: Maybe. He is older. He works at the, he's like, works at the river. He does gigs at the horseshoe sometimes. And he had, um, uh, you know, chemical sound. Yeah. Studios? Yeah. 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 He, he bought that place and he was yeah, living and working out of there for a while. I don't know if he still has it now, but
0: yeah. Cause it moved out to the East end that board moved yeah. over. Cause I knew, uh, I'm, I'm good friends with, um, James and, and, uh, Ian Blurton who owned oh, okay, chemical yeah. and there was one more other guy there that owned it, when it was in King uh, King West. And uh, I played in a band called Foursquare, and we recorded our first album there. And uh, yeah, that's sort of the... There's a neat history to that chemical sound, that board particularly, the API. That's a a pretty sweet board. I don't know where it is now. It's out on the east. I think they went
1: went east. It's like um, kind of near the beaches, not
0: that far. Where all the studios are. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, yeah. Yeah, That's where they all move, right? right?
1: Yeah, the southeast, I guess, right?
0: Yeah, I had a studio out there where Carla Carl and Gerard, I had a studio out there for like 5 or 6 years. And then okay. yeah, I was at Osington uh, Dundas for about 6 4 or 5 years. Before that, <clears throat> yeah. So, do you oh. uh, do you, do you um do you tour? Do you do much touring with, as a sound guy or are you just or do you uh, like to stay home?
1: No, I, I mean, I did touring with The Reason, so it couldn't it never really jived cuz I couldn't I was always out with the reason, basically, or or doing stuff for the band, so I couldn't really commit uh, to doing tours as a sound guy. But at the end of my tenure there, before I took some time off to uh, take care of my son, um, I was doing uh, some, like, Ontario tours with Tokyo Police Club and um, Born Ruffians. Do you know Born Ruffians?
0: Yeah, I've heard it. Yeah, yeah. Tokyo Police Club played in our venue last year. Oh, yeah? yeah. Yeah.
1: Nice. Yeah. So I did. Uh, I was just pick up gigs, you know, like they had they did like the CNE, I think, and um, a couple like festivals, you know what I mean? Like festival summer, that kind of stuff. So I just did uh, some of those bigger gigs for them, which was cool for me because I'm just used to doing clubs and stuff like that. Right. So that was some of my first um, big like outdoor you know, full PA mixing, yeah. of course, I go in and I'm all like anxious about it. And, oh, I've never done this before. And it's just like, easier. Stuff... oh, it's easier, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like a sweet rig and you don't have to deal with walls and a ceiling and yeah. all this other crap. So it's like the opposite of what you think or the opposite of working in a shitty club.
0: And you're literally a hundred feet away where the band is playing and you have full control over all the sound. And uh, yeah, 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 I did the same thing. It was funny because I went, I kinda went to the daytime festival circuit like in the early two thousands and started mixing bands and it was like, This is awesome. I drunk (laughs) drunk by six. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like home. I could be wherever I could be and I'm having fun and my commitments are over. And but it gets more serious. It's funny, there's a there's a gauge of the sun. And it's like, when it gets darker, if you go on stage and it's almost dark, you kind of almost made it. And if you go on stage and it's full dark, you totally made it. You know, there's yeah. like that gauge of, and if you go on at two thirty in the afternoon, you know, you, you get your half an hour and you're out the door and don't get in the way. And you have a whole yeah. other approach of, <laughs> of how you work. Like I worked for a country band for like four years This the first year. This was the first year I didn't work for them. And, um, you know, you go to boots and hearts and it's like, uh, there's some big, you know, powerful people there and you're like hello sir i'm sorry if i got in your way yeah Yeah.
1: it's like you got to vacate your backstage trailer by four o'clock so the other bands the more important bands can come take it totally
0: oh yeah uh kenny chesney is doing a meet and greet so you guys better get the fuck out of here yeah Yeah. sorry him
1: and his hat are coming in Uh, we'll go back and sit in our van
0: yeah yeah so the reason um so So you put this band together and it's obviously not power pop, pop, power pop. It's sort of like a, it's, it's, it's nice, indie, very musical. Sounds awesome. Like uh, how many, you put how many records out now?
1: Oh God. So one, two, three, four five records, Mm -hmm. five records we put out. So we started, uh, as like, um, you know, a hardcore screamo kind of thing, which came out of the pop punk. So Song of Nancy was like the no effects style pop punk kind of thing. And then, um, we got into the heavy screamo stuff. I like grade, you know, very inspired by grade and whatnot in this area. And, um, that was uh problems associated with running was the first EP that we did actually with uh Greg Taylor from Grade did the recording and production and then um uh Ravenna was the full album of that basically so we took a few songs from that and uh as well as new songs and that was Ravenna which I actually didn't play on left the band for a couple of years uh at in that period and then uh Things Couldn't Be Better was 2007 so that was maybe like 4 years later after Ravenna and I think everybody was kind of getting older and, you know, sick of trying to remember all the changes in these like seven, eight parts and stuff like that. And nah. scream, Yeah. Just like, you know, really having to keep on top of it. And yeah. we're just like, can we just like jam some fun stuff that we like yeah. to like, you know what I mean? Like kind of groove to and everything. And uh, they got me back in the band at that point for that record. And I was kind of in the same place. I mean, I've always been like a jazz, uh, like Motown kind of, groovy guy and whatnot. So uh we kind of started doing that stuff just naturally and um uh that's the record that we work with Gavin Brown as well. And he really like, you know, opened up songwriting and, you know, commercial aspects of music that we hadn't really considered before.
0: Yeah. Well he's definitely a star. I mean, do you remember his band Flag Camp?
1: I don't. Yeah, he,
0: he he his band Flag Camp recorded with like Steve Albini. And really? he caught a lot of, like, the early days of his recordings were, like, big roomy, boomy, like, recordings. Yeah. And he, the first thing I ever heard him really play on besides Flight Camp was the Spooky Rubin album, because he played and produced some of that stuff.
1: Oh, yeah? yeah. Spooky Rubin? Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I almost joined that band for about five minutes. <clears throat>
1: no way. Yeah, yeah. He's, hala- he's hilarious, man. He's amazing. He's oh, my God, he's, he's
0: a fucking genius, too, by the yeah, way. like yeah.
1: He is. He is. He's been in the Rivley a few times, man. He's such a cool guy. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, he's uh, he's harder. such a crazy, but but yeah, Gavin Gavin just really 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 got a hold of how to record stuff, and like uh, he was in Danko Jones for a while, yep. and I don't think he gelled well in that band, from what I hear. Yeah, and because uh, he's a very opinionated guy. I mean, you have to be to be a producer, right?
1: He is. Yeah, he's. Uh... Yeah, he's an interesting guy. He I mean he's an he's an artist too in his own in his own right, right? So he's very opinionated and uh and not always the easiest to get on with, I guess, right?
0: Yeah. Well and also he's got a good track record. I mean, he's he's made mm-hmm. some great, great strides into good sounding records and he worked a lot. Did Eric Ratz do any engineering during this?
1: Yeah, so actually Ratz uh engineered and mixed things couldn't be better.
0: Yeah. I I went to high yeah. school with Eric. Oh, did you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no. mm. Another
1: another great guy, man. I miss him, man. He was like, uh, he was just such a calming guy in the studio, you know, like yep. no stress and just the friendliest dude, and always just looking to have a good time and everything. Yeah. And he's. Really well too now eh? like he's done uh the monster truck stuff and he's been putting out lots and lots of records in the last like 10 years kind of thing so
0: yeah he kind of he he uh he really pushed big sugar too with like his recording style how he yep. did it was that the, when that big big sugar record not hemivision was it hemivision yeah it was hemivision and, was
1: hemivision and he, i think he did heated as well like i know gavin played drums on heated
0: yeah because i think hemivision had like loops and stuff or it was someone playing and then eric was manipulating all like the tracks with a computer you know what I mean? <laughs> okay yeah, yeah which was like groundbreaking <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah,
1: holy true. shit using a computer what
0: is that it sounds like a real drum kit wow we You're were right. living in the future now i mean yeah he's a uh, yeah i'm yeah there's a great eric story because when we were in high school he had a party in his house and uh people were smoking in the basement and his carpet was white and there's oh, all these no. burn marks in the carpet from people smoking cigarettes. And you know, his parents know, so we, we would go to the corner of the room and tear up a bit of felt and then get like carpenter's glue and stick it <laughs> on, on the on cigarette the burns. I hope he remembers that because that was like the, I said, this isn't going to work, man. They're going to run the vacuum cleaner over here. Yeah. You're just going to suck it all up. You're going to get busted. He's like, and I don't remember if he ever got caught about it or whatever, but. Yeah, yeah, he's <laughs> he's a star. I love Eric. I talked to him because he's yeah. He was married to one of my wife my my wife's best one of her best friends for a while yeah. too. Yeah, Jen. Oh man, there we are. We're getting caught up. Um, yeah. So, so you find like there's a trans there's a shelf life to like music and and the style of music and. Like, could you find yourself like playing like no effects today like is it is this part of you still or do you do you feel like i'm an old guy i don't want to get up there and look like a 20 year old anymore
1: yeah i definitely feel that way uh it's funny because i think it's been so long now since i've done it that i i wouldn't mind doing it again just for a little bit you know like it's kind of fun to revisit it i was actually playing my son's really into cars and trucks and everything like that and i was like oh we used to have a song about a car it was called My Car and it has like a car sound at the start. Let me play it for you. Mm-hmm. And it kind of I got excited listening to it. I was just like, "Oh man, like this is kind of fun. I kind of want to play this again." But I mean, looking forward, I don't definitely do not want to go out and start a new pop punk band and put out new material or anything like that,
0: right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm there was a time where punk rock was like it was almost there and And punk rock in a, in a, in a, as a genre kind of it does kind of shoot itself in the foot a lot, yeah. um but then it always is like faster to come back, you know, like punk rock bands are a lot easier to manipulate what they want to do, and they're not worried about the trends or styles or, or making money. <laughs> you know what I mean yeah, right? yeah. I played in a few real of punk bands. bands, yeah yeah, real, real punk, but band. they don't you know there's when you start dealing with like music and art, there's always like this fine divide and and there's always a hard stop with punk rock where you know that you can really determine you know the punkers from the you know from the pretenders and
1: yeah and you know what's funny actually is I uh always had a bit of a debate about you know what punk really meant because especially in that pop pop punk thing like we did warp tour I think one year and there was so many these punk bands that were just like Suburban kids that had all this money and they just would buy this gear and everything like that. And it's like, do you guys like, are you actually interested in anything? Are you just like, you want to just play this music kind of thing? And then I would, my own thing to people was always like, you know what? The Doors, man, they were a punk band. Oh, yeah. They they were just like, they didn't give a fuck. Like Mm -hmm. bands who don't give a fuck, those are real punk bands.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, And, you know, if they show up with the clothes they wore the night before, and they start playing and it's like, there's a good trend, you know, there's like good chance, you know, like, you know, we used to know this guy out of Winnipeg who was a punk rocker, but he was a fashion punk. We call him a, th- yeah. Cause he dressed his dressed the part, you know, like, and, and we'd be going across the border and he's like, shit, I got to change. And he would change into normal clothes. Cause he didn't want his punk outfit to get like <laughs> throw any red flags to the border yeah, police. Yeah. So he'd get back in his punk, out his punk uniform, you know, <laughs> oh my and his God. name was punk rock Jeremy actually of all, all this week. <laughs> <laughs> self-titled name um yeah. It, it yeah because and there's also i mean as we get older you kind of like like to hang on to the ethics and the morals of what punk rock really was and it was more about community and it was more about you know keeping it keep keeping your friends close you know and, and the community part is sort of the part i miss as we get a little older you know you start getting into your little area of comfort and you know, and, and, you know. I think there's going to be a breaking period for me because I live outside of the city, where I actually want to go back to see shows again. You know, I'm not there yet. Mm-hmm. You know, I still, you know, my kids aren't fully teenage. I have one teenager, but the other one, when that one doesn't want to hang out with me anymore, then there's going to be a void, and that'll be going to <laughs> shows.
1: <laughs> that's what happens when they become teenagers, I guess. They yeah. Don't want to hang out with
0: you anymore. <laughs> no, no. There one. My son is 13. He just he yeah. He's okay. He's fine. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, I don't I think understand. we're gonna have a real conversation until he turns like 18. I think that's that's. Uh, very optimistic but i think yeah nothing to do with me it's crazy huh how Mm, old yours
1: uh i gonna turn three at the end of the month
0: oh it's great i just you ever get those facebook well you'll start getting the facebook updates like six years ago like six years ago my daughter was like five years old and she's really into like stuff and now she's like a little person you know and you gotta hang on to those moments because they go so fast like yeah do you plan on having more, or is this...
1: I'd like to, yeah, we'd like to. We got, um, No wife's got a plan to keep them four years apart kind of thing, so... Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. My... We may start trying again soon.
0: Yeah, my brother had within a year, and which is good, because they're, they're very close to each other in age, and so they're very close to each other with getting through school, and you know, it all happened at once, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: That was my thought, but... You gotta listen to the wife. Of course,
0: she's <laughs> the one making it. You gotta, know. Yeah, 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 she's the <laughs> one who's gotta carry it. Yeah, yeah, so do you find trouble, like, is it like with the reason in your band, and is that, you know, do you do you find that as your career music or do you find sound engineering as your career?
1: You know what? Uh, this last, because I took the last couple of years off to take care of the kid, I haven't really been doing much of either. And mm-hmm. it's kind of given me this different perspective. And I've had a bit of, a, I guess, midlife, mid career crisis where I'm like, what the fuck do I really want to do? Because for about 10 years there, it's like I was doing sound at the Riv and I was playing in the Reason. And that was the way I defined myself. Right. So. Now, you know, the Reason's not really playing anymore and uh I don't work at the Riv and I've kind of got to redefine. So I was thinking about that a lot over the last couple of years and I really think that music is uh what my focus is because, you know, this whole sound thing essentially came about when I left the Reason and uh I was just like, you know, I got to get back into music somehow. And that was kind of a way for me to get back into music, make money. Because the, w- the reason I left the reason in the first place was because we were out on tour all the time and just, a, you know, accruing personal debt like crazy and like stiffing landlords and just all sorts of crazy shit. And I left because I was like, I can't deal with the stress of this, man. Like, I've got like 12 grand in debt, like people calling me all the time, hounding me down and all this kind of shit. Right. And I can't even work jobs because we're gone getting paid gas money on tour or whatever. Right. So, Mm -hmm. uh, when I left, it was all about just trying to make life work that way. And, uh, and that's when I went back to school for audio engineering thinking like, okay, well, you know, if I can get paid to like be at a show, then I'm at a show and I'm not losing money. So like, that's good yeah Um, and then you know I just started doing it all the time doing it all the time and that's kind of became my career or at least half of it was doing the sound stuff but at the end of the day it was always just to get back into the music so I think this last couple of years I've just really thought about it and decided that you know music is really what I want to pursue and if I need to make some money, I can do sound stuff, but uh I'd rather be trying to make the money doing the music because that's what it's all about, yeah
0: that's exactly the the career move I made like in the early nineties, <laughs> like I was like I could be broke a broke musician or I can be close to it, and a lot of my friends moved on to jobs like real jobs, you know, which yeah. I call like the track pants of 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 like it's like they're comfy, a comfy job, it's just like uh, but it's couldn't be close couldn't be further away from music, you know what I mean, like yeah. So so I chose a career that was somewhat along that line that at least I'm sort of close you know and I can jump out like superman you know what I mean like I'm close to the action but then yeah. again I'm making a buck you know and there was a few times I go out and I I would mix the band that would headline and then maybe be the opening band like that was like that was sort of like the the best compromise ever yeah. and you know and it, there's you know when you talk about like money and music it's like you don't want money to hinder the fact that but how much you love music you know like and that that was where i was at maybe i'm projecting that on you
1: yeah no no it's uh, it's this it's an operational thing basically it's like you need to make enough money to make it worthwhile like if i say to my wife hey i'm gonna take off for three weeks you're on your own with the kid we have to pay for like extra care and all this kind of shit like i need to be sending money back yeah. <laughs> like, i can't just be like i'm gonna come home with 600 bucks see you later <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah for three weeks you know like it just it just it's not sustainable you know mm-hmm. like i could maybe do it as a fun thing like oh that's like a vacation but it's not sustainable so i mean i i would really like to make the music thing sustainable to myself even if it means you know like um playing in cover bands or, or doing pickup gigs or playing in multiple bands or, you know i dude i put it i said i wouldn't for a long long time I'm and, f- i am
0: fucking with you yeah uh, but yeah i agree with you <laughs>
1: and it's just one of these things you know i'm like at least it'll keep my fingers tuned up you know what i mean like it, it'll yeah. keep me sharp kind of thing right so
0: yeah there's an inherent selfishness of being a musician an independent musician you know and <laughs> it, it happens you know and and you have a you have a, a wife and a partner and a business partner and she's your, you know, she's the other half of you and I have another half too. And yeah, we all, we, you know, I could have all thrown that away. You know what I mean? If I was, this, there was, there was this tipping point of like, I'm going to be a selfish cause I did it with a three-year-old too. I toured and I had to do this tour with 10 days notice, like go to Europe and open up for 10 foot pole and you got 10 days to put shit together and buy flights and go. And oh I didn't have any God. money and that could have been it. It could have been it. You know, it could have yeah. been the end of everything and I I did it, but I f- that never again will I, you know what I mean, put anybody <laughs> else in that position because there was that. Here it is, here you know, because I'm, you know, we're I'm in, I'm a selfish person when it comes to music because I think nobody else is into music like me, man. That's the inherent, that's the 15 year old in me, you know that. We all have that person in us, you know what yeah. I mean?
1: You have to kind of right. You have to you got to be I guess confident in yourself, confident in your own stuff, and be. Highly motivated, I guess.
0: Is yeah. Really what it is, right? it's, it's funny, too, because when you get a little bit older, like I, I've said that five times, and I apologize, because I'm I'm I'm, only, I'm talking about me. And I'm not talking about you, because you no, you're, you're 10 years old. But as you get a little older, you start prioritizing things in a more rational way like when you're in your early 20s your brain's not even developed yet you know what i mean like you know and there's there's that time between 27 and 30 where like i gotta get my fucking shit together if i don't get my shit together i'm gonna be that guy you know when you point at some other guy in a club who's just this 40 year old drunk dude who's (laughs) totally like you were thought was cool 10 years ago when he was 30 and still punk rocker i don't want to be that guy because that guy's lonely and depressed and I want to have a life, you know? And so for me, the tipping point was always like priorities, you know, like where do you, and now you have children. It's like, okay, there's other people involved, you know, you can really f- damage one's life because of your own selfishness.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's gets complicated. And I mean, the other thing too was uh, the kid really puts things into perspective because in terms of me clarifying what I'm doing with my life, it's a thing where, you know, I'm sitting here being his dad, right? Taking this time off and, and and taking care of him, thinking, okay, that's valuable to him. But it's all, I'm realizing it's also even more valuable for him to see me doing what I do or doing the things that I want to do as my own person. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Instead of seeing me as just a caregiver, he needs to see me as, the person that I am so that he can also develop into the person that he is kind of thing, right? So Mm -hmm. that put it into perspective a lot for me too, where it's like, look, you gotta do what you wanna do, like don't pussyfoot around or beat around the bush or whatever. It's just like do what you want to do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There is a there like there also there is a line in that too, because you know, there's like this this thing now with careers where people flip flop careers all the time and they say you're only supposed to change your career like four times in your life. That's that's Mm -hmm. normal. But I don't think that's normal anymore. I think that's like, you know, I think it's more than that now. I think people, you know, want to change around. I mean, it's it, there's, you know, I look romantically at the 70s when people are like, that's my job, go do my job, hate my job, love my family. And you know what I mean? And, and, you know, we all fall into that like as adults, like, well, I gotta be an adult, gotta, gotta go make some money, gotta, but that also is cheating yourself out of making art. But then again, we're all not supposed to be artists. We're not all, no. you know, we need ditch diggers. <laughs> it's tough yeah. to say, and it's tough to swallow, but yep. we all can't be brain surgeons. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I'm just glad that uh, the music industry is highly varied, I guess, you know, like you can go do a little bit of sound and play a little bit of shows and you know, do a little bit of graphic design or whatever yeah. else, you know, you can kind of mix up a few things and and get a career out of it or, or yeah. a living out of it. It wasn't
0: thing, always right? like that. Like if you've got a job, like a, as a sound engineer, I, I, I lived it. Like, oh, well, he's the sound guy. What's he doing playing guitar up there? He's supposed to be the sound guy that works for that band. Yeah. What the hell? Who does he think he is? You know, that's our job, you know, but you're right. The industry is changing in a way that people have to be jack of all trades. They have to yeah. be good at you know um everything a little bit of everything and you know that's you know that's Im- for that it it called adapt being adaptable or that adapt, i can't speak
1: being adaptable, yeah.
0: yeah so it wasn't like that always you know what i mean and it, so you know yeah caregiving i mean that that's something i i thought maybe i should have done you know because my my wife was the principal breadwinner for a while as i was in a band mm-hmm. and uh i was always out trying to like you know bread too but you know you regret a little bit you know I think you you, you made a good choice there just just to f- f- you know make a foundation for your for your child that's amazing
1: thanks for your vote of confidence yeah no, <laughs> I
0: didn't do that I was on tour yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, uh, well it just came down to math it was just like you know like he, uh, he sh- I make like two-thirds of what she did so it just made more sense and I was open to it you know like I my dad was a good caregiver to me I guess like he didn't take care of me when I was younger but He was involved in my life a lot and whatnot. So, you know, I was inspired that way. And I wasn't one of these guys where it's like, oh, I can't do, I'm not a woman. I don't do childcare or something. Oh, no.
0: No, I, yeah, it's, yeah, your identity, though, is, 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 you know, I, I, you explained it before, like, your identity is your father, you know, and you have to show your child that I'm not just your caregiver, but I also have this other thing. And that's, that's a, that's a cool thing to go with, you know to me yeah right? i'm
1: trying to, i'm trying to keep focused on that because that's uh, again you get really lost sometimes and uh like life and taking care of the kid or whatever and you mm-hmm. kind of forget about yourself you don't take care
0: of yourself right yeah. so and you could be the cool dad like that's my dad yeah my dad's a <laughs> yeah. rock star yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah you got about another 10 years of that then it all goes away yeah then it all goes away and then you become the, the annoying not cool dad
1: yeah. yeah, i'm interested i'm interested for the teen years man because i was brutal i was a horrible yeah. teenager to Me my too. parents you know i don't psyched. think it's
0: genetics i don't think teen like being bad teen is a genetic thing i think it's a yeah. it's it's a it's a reaction to your parents thing you know like you you will always have a pushback from your children always because they're defining they're who they are you know if they turn into if they're not then you almost i almost get a little question but like well maybe you know because we don't want to raise sheep, you know, we want to raise individuals. You know what I mean, like who go out and do great things. And I always say to my son, like, you don't want to play music, man. You want to be a lawyer, go be a doctor. A yeah, see, so yeah,
1: I'm I'm interested because, like, you know, if I try to push music on him, is he going to push back and just be like the straightest guy <laughs> ever? <laughs> I'm like, you know, like, oh, dad, screw you and your music. I'm going to be an accountant. <laughs> yeah, that
0: might be a good thing. You know,
1: yeah, it might be a yeah, good thing. Exactly. Yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. There was a lot of heartbreaking music with me, and and so for me to put my kid through that i want them to see the good part of it i don't want them to think like i don't want to keep explaining to them like how much it sucked like okay you got yeah. a half an hour of awesomeness for like 23 and a half hours of being in a van <laughs> eating potato chip sandwiches being know. in arguments and passive aggressiveness and that's my seat and all that shit and then yeah. you know but you can't romant- you can't you can't like make it a romantic affair you have to like say well, yeah it wasn't fun sometimes you know like like any job yeah
1: any job it was definitely hard work
0: yeah 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 so you have a tour coming up though Though, speaking of which isn't there something coming up with a reason or did i read
1: oh no you read that definitely wrong unless
0: unless somebody else is doing (laughs) something
1: i don't know about yeah we are are on indefinite hiatus basically like when uh, my wife got pregnant and it was also uh, the last tour we did uh was in 2013 and we had a couple accidents on the way home so we had We spun the van out twice, landed in a ditch with it like two times within 36 hours. Uh, And so we had gone, I don't know, 10, 12, 13, 14 years without having any kind of major accidents. And we were all just like, yeah, we like, let's just take a little break for a little while. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah. And then my wife got pregnant and so we're on indefinite haste. All we've done, we've played a couple of uh, festivals like we did Super Crawl not this past year, but the year before. And then last year we did, uh, the sound of music festival. And I think everybody's happy kind of taking a step back from that. And, and just, you know, if there's a gig, that's kind of easy for us, like not traveling too much or anything like that, then we can get together and play. But, uh, we also don't have a solid unit anymore, right? So um, our drummer and guitar player from our last solid unit, which would have been the Fools album, uh, Jeremy Widerman and Steve Kiley uh, split off to form Monster Truck in between records and uh since losing them we just kind of like gave up cuz we'd been you know going through drummers and guitar players over the years several times so we just kind of thought you know let's just from here on out we're going to just like hire guys to yeah. like play shows when we have shows kind of thing and it makes it a lot different because you know i mean you know how it is in a band you have that it's called a band because you're a unit yeah essentially right comrades so, and all yeah, dealing yeah. with the
0: same issues and yeah.
1: Yeah, and everybody's contributing their little part and that's what makes the makes the band, right? So when you don't have that anymore, it's a little bit different and I think it's kind of just different.
0: For well, us. yeah, you can take that too, but at the same time if you hire guns to come in and play, it then becomes more about what you want and not about what the band wants. And that's okay. That's okay because you've done it long enough where you can actually say what can I get out of this? Like you know i love the fact that a band is a bunch of people and my perfect utopian band is a band that all deals with the same issues together they all have the same reasonable reasonable like expectations and they all deal with the bullshit together yeah. they all push the van when it's stuck and you know cuz you know i've been in some bands and they're not all like that, but there's been bands where it's completely selfish. Like, "I the van won't start. Well, I'll be in the coffee shop until you get the van started." <laughs> you know, like, "Well, okay." And like, uh, case not in so po- much camaraderie. Not at all. You know, I played I, I drove the weaker Vans around in this piece of shit van I bought thinking it was going to be awesome and it broke down and I, I my band was opening and the only person stuck behind with me trying to get this van going was Jason. <laughs> yeah. and he, uh, because I knew him from Red Fisher and it's like I say, dude, you don't need to be here. He goes, well, you're here by yourself. I'm like, ah, you get it. You get it. You know what I mean? He could have been in the bar waiting for me to try to get the band started. So that's the thing. You know, I take that to heart, you know, and we all do because and and coming back to it, it's like it's what you can take out of it now.
1: Yeah, well, I I will say that uh, having only three guys now makes decision making much easier. Mm -hmm. There's only three of us to kind of make those decisions and figure out what we want or whether we want to do something or not and and that kind of thing.
0: Yeah. What are the other guys doing? What are are the... Well, so
1: James and uh, uh, Cubby and Adam started a cover thing they do called Born in the 80s. So they've been doing that for a couple of years now. And then we also, over the last few years, I mean, I haven't been directly involved too much because I knew it was going to take a long time. But uh, the documentary we put out, uh, I think, last June, um, the story of the reason over the last 10 years. Uh, I don't know if you've actually seen that yet or not. But no, I
0: didn't know they existed.
1: Yeah, yeah, check it out. It's on iTunes. Actually, Ben Rispin <clears throat> helped get it out. Uh-huh. Um, uh, yeah, so that got released last June, and uh, that kind of goes, tells the whole kind of story of all our members that we went through and records and all that kind of stuff and where we ended up. But, uh, yeah, so those guys are doing that and I'm actually just in the last couple of months and I'm glad you kind of asked me to do this. I'm looking to get into something new. So cool. My kid's uh, in preschool now a couple of mornings and, you know, like he's just getting older and I've got to get back to quote unquote work. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, I'm looking for anybody who wants to collaborate or do projects or, you know, needs a bass player for this, that and the other thing. I do. As well. So (laughs) (laughs) I do. Actually,
0: I'm doing something with Connor from Boys Net Out. We started it last year. Yeah, we started it last year and uh, we have like seven songs and it's. uh It's um, Mike and Davina from Cheap Suits playing drums. Okay, and yeah. And me uh-huh. and I was gonna get my friend Steve Kreklo to play some guitar on it, and uh, and me show here, show there. Wow, yeah. This is, this is, what a let me know. Let me
1: know. If, <laughs> let me know if you'd actually
0: like to have me. Because absolutely. Uh, you and plus you own a recording. You you can record yourself, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I got. Oh, I got gear here. You yeah.
0: Are, you listen so if
1: you, you want to do it remotely. You own a van. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. hired. you're no, hired I, I got a trailer where we got
0: a yeah. like, trailer hitch you know we could
1: <laughs> yeah no i have no no vehicle right now no vehicle right
0: oh now. my god this is great i'm really glad i got in touch with you this is the end of the podcast too like we're getting towards the uh let's let's make this happen this is amazing yeah because yeah. Yeah, i know...
1: this is what happens when you rejoin facebook i like didn't pay any attention to facebook for about four years and i was like you know what i think if my best chance for getting in touch with the rest of the world and like getting back to things is on Facebook. So within a it. month I've got
0: like several gigs just from being back. Amazing. Yeah. That's very cool. I mean, there is some good stuff that you can take out of Facebook. Definitely. Yeah. That's the yeah. stuff like, cause I'm running into people. I went to high school with it, and that was a long time ago, you know, mm-hmm. and some of them I'm like, man, I didn't like you then still don't like you, but, uh, it's fine. You know, like it's funny when you see like the people that have 5,000 friends, cause that's the cap. Like how yeah. do you know five thousand people? Like, you know the the inconvenience if you suddenly pass away, the inconvenience will be astronomical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Five thousand yeah. people.
1: I doubt they'll all show up at the funeral.
0: No, because if they say it's an event and thirty people show up, it's usually like three. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. The Facebook going. Yeah, it's uh, the know? Facebook false promise. Yeah. My friend Cam told me that. He's like the Facebook f- facebook uh, false promise yeah like we're gonna totally hang out man we're gonna have beers we're gonna talk I'll see you later see you on facebook <laughs> yeah yeah exactly i'll Love. wait for your comment yeah <laughs> well I, yeah i mean we always have we always uh, sort of wrap up about technology and that's it's funny we came around there but i mean we're in a we're in a good spot we need to we need to we need to reel it in a little bit about the content that we view and what our children are going to see like what's your thoughts on all that stuff are you still like an open everybody gets to see everything
1: In terms of like personal information, you mean? Yeah, just just
0: just stuff you can look at. Like, I'm worried now because like my daughter understands what Google is, and you know, and all you do is type one word wrong, and it's like a fucking chainsaw beheading. (laughs) You know, it's gonna be that fast. Yeah, I
1: mean, it is. It's a. It's definitely a lot dicier than when we were kids. I can I can say that. But at the same time, I'm a big believer in just like being honest all the time. So like, Mm -hmm. you know, if they see something, you know, it may be bad because they're too young to see it but you you know i wouldn't lie to them ever you know i'd try to explain it legitimately and yeah and uh yeah because if you start lying about it then it's just like a whole
0: other there's a respect loss there for sure like if you're trying to candy coat what the world is yeah you're going to You'll you'll get called out on it eventually.
1: Yeah, and it'll be even a a bigger shock later on or something. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of like parents that I know that you know they swear in front of their kids and do stuff like that. I'm like, yeah, I don't really, I can't subscribe to that. There's a certain type of censorship as a parent that there is some sort of a little bit of a veneer of a parent. You know, like you can't, you know, it's I'm not explaining it right, but there's there is a line where I'm your father. You know, and what I say goes because I'm your father, and then what's right is right, you know, and there's a lot of explanation. A lot of people have conversations with their young children, but the children are like, I want that fucking candy now. And it's like, well, let's sit down and second, have a conversation about it. It's like, you know what I mean? It's like, no, no works better sometimes.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, so like for that that example, for me, I'd be like, no, because it has a lot of sugar, sugar's not good for you.
0: I like sugar. Sugar's my favorite. I
1: want that. And I understand that, but a little bit of sugar is okay, but not a lot. But I want it. (laughs) <laughs> See, I'm that's some good, romance. and then so here's the thing, too. Like, my wife stops me from doing this a lot of the time, but I'm a like, I'm a like, just let him have it, let him get sick, you know what I mean? Like, let them realize yeah. it on his own. Like, sure, you want to eat all that, eat all that, yeah. barf and just be like, nah, I don't like sugar so much
0: anymore. You know, when we first had our first son, I said, like, we should try the cave baby approach. We'll fence off the backyard, we'll put some shelter <laughs> and some heat source, and maybe a, a squirrel or two back there, and they'll have to like figure it out like we'll make the, for himself. <laughs> make the first cave baby uh, that didn't go over well for some no, reason, oh yeah <laughs> I can't nope. imagine. Nope. Would. you have to clothe your child they can't just find leaves and put them on themselves yeah. no i well you know it's called you know evolution
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah we managed it somehow
0: but, uh, yeah we figured it out well it was really it was nice to meet you man um and i am serious like i will send you some music to like right now like as soon as i yeah uh, do else... you
1: have my uh i guess yeah i guess you can do it over facebook probably, i'll send right? you the
0: link yeah it's a box link i'll send you everything okay. you just take a listen to it. if you like it you like it if you don't no harm no foul yeah, yeah cool. Be, and there's no singing on it yet so that's that's where connor we kind of hit a brick wall with like because connor's got a new one too like he's He's, he's a dad, okay. you know, yeah, but right. he's a f- amazing person to collaborate with. Like, he's a fucking genius. Yeah,
1: I haven't seen him for years, man. Like, probably 10 years, I'll bet.
0: He's amazing. Yeah, we just went down to the uh, the Trainwreck, uh, pro- like, this this Patchwork Theater in Buffalo or in Niagara Falls, New York, put on a play of Trainwreck, a okay. musical. Really? Yeah. Of their record? Yeah. And I was sitting in the front row with Connor because I put him on my show. The the people, uh, Rose, Rosie, uh, yeah. And it was like it was it was really neat, and it was fun looking at Connor more because he could tell like he was super yeah, I mean, like whoa, like his head was exploding because it was like this is so fucked up. Like yeah, we d- take this so serious, and he dressed like super dapper. And uh, yeah, it was a very I was very proud of him because he's just, you know, like he's such a humble, cool dude, you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. couldn't have happened to a better person, you know. Yeah. So uh, yeah. well great, I'll have to yeah. Check that out. Absolutely. Nice talking to you, man.
1: Yeah, you too, Simon. I appreciate it.
0: Here he was. Jonathan Ronson, Armstrong. I like talking to people I don't know. Because you don't know where you're gonna go. We had some good they went in a good spot there. In the middle there. In the middle towards the end. It was fun. Nice Thanks for listening to the show, everybody. Don't forget to go and check out Bo's All Natural Beer. And if you're on their webpage or something, you send them something, tell them Simon sent you. Tell them it, You know, tell them what your favorite beer is and tell them what your favorite episode of the podcast is. So let them know that you've heard about the show through the podcast, okay? Don't forget to pledge the show on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash AppleLog. That really helps out a monthly amount. It always helps out this show. It costs money to do this stuff, you know? You know that, right? It's not just like a... Everything costs money, I guess. But this costs money, too. And uh, thanks to everybody who follows the show on Facebook. Facebook.com uh, slash And I don't have many Twitter followers, but maybe that'll change. At SimonHead666, telephone. Yeah, so this week, it's going to be a good week. I'm, I'm very busy at work. I have a, I have one more guest lined up uh, that I know of because it's recorded. Um, I'm going to go down and see uh, you, hunt down at the... Uh, Dance Cave, I think playing Dance Cave tonight, so I got to go see Spike again. Maybe we'll get an episode in. I'm not sure. I'm taking my podcast stuff just in case. So everybody, it was very nice. Good week. We'll see you again. Bye.